Welcome to One Haas, a podcast devoted to bringing the Haas community closer together through your stories. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and my mission is to help open our eyes to the network we never knew we had. So today I'm joined by Jaslyn Law of the EW2020 program. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. Can you tell us a little bit about your background, like where you're from, where you went to undergrad? I grew up in Marin County, California, which is for those of you who commute from out of the area. Marin County is on the other side of the Golden Gate Bridge. Mm. So I grew up in Marin, went to high school in San Francisco, was convinced I was going to go to the East Coast, and then at the last minute decided to consider Stanford realized it was basically summer camp all the time. Mm -hmm. So I've kept it in the Bay for the past 30 years or so (laughs) and currently live in Redwood City. Um, At Stanford, I studied environmental science. Mm -hmm. I thought I would study English and then I thought I'd study human biology. Turns out I wasn't very interested in humans or biology. Mm -hmm. So I ended up in a different interdisciplinary major, which was earth systems. Then I wrote out the recession by doing a super senior year, got my master's there, also in environmental science, and then didn't know what to do next. Mm-hmm. Was pretty sure I didn't want to do environmental consulting. So I ended up talking to people in tech and worked for a little bit at a co-working space. I try to forget it. I was like the world's worst front desk girl. Okay. They told me it was marketing and operations, Mm -hmm. and it turns out by operations, they meant front desk girl, and by marketing, they meant here's the Twitter password, (laughs) and I just have like the worst personality ever to be a front desk representative, Mm -hmm. so that lasted maybe half a year, and then I ended up entering into digital marketing, Mm -hmm. performance marketing. I see. Which had a lot of appeal for me, because I would spend all my summers in college doing scientific research. And it takes like two years at least to put together something for publication in science. Mm. One hypothesis, one experiment, one result. Mm-hmm. And with big data in marketing, you can run an A-B test and have StatSig in two days right. if you're running with huge clients. So that was really appealing. It was my pace and a uh, data language I was familiar with. So tell us a little bit about this uh, environmental sciences, earth systems. It just sounds so fascinating. What what does this degree involve? Did it involve a lot of data that was able to kind of segue into the data analysis they use for marketing? Yeah, I mean, I think that people take it in different ways. It's an interdisciplinary program, so you can kind of mix and match your own curriculum. Mm-hmm. I created a pretty even blend, I think, of quantitative and qualitative coursework from anthropology to history to what I focused most on was geographic information systems, Mm. GIS, and that is where a lot of the quant came in. What is that? It's mapping technology. Okay, like for GPS or? So my thesis was we sent a plane out over the Bay Area. Uh They took a bunch of pictures of the land cover And then I went and looked at these pictures and correlated their spatial patterning Mm. with point data on Alameda Song Sparrow distribution so that we could start to understand in restoration applications what kind of ground cover you should try to promote Mm -hmm. in order to encourage habitat establishment. 
Huh. That's amazing. That's uh, these are the kinds of things I like to hear on the podcast because it's just it's for for obviously for someone who's in it, who's been doing it. You know, it's, it's secondhand. But for the rest of us, it's like, what the hell is that? Um, it was a few years of my life, but I find it rusty. I find my vocabulary rusty when I talk about it because it does seem like a previous self. Well, I mean, there's something that uh, Esmond brought up. We'll talk about it later. Is uh, is is your your what your mushroom farm? I think you that's mentioned? right. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But back to uh, marketing. You mentioned to me earlier that there's different areas of marketing. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, I think that it's funny because I've now done marketing for my whole career, mm-hmm. and I'm used to talking to people who are fluent in how marketing departments work and what different facets of marketing exist. Mm-hmm. When I came to Haas, I'm, I was surprised by how many people thought that marketing was a single role, mm-hmm. for example, that within a marketing department, everyone's either doing PR or communications mm-hmm. or mad men type ad campaigns. Right. And there are so many different parts of it. So I'm in performance marketing. So I do digital advertising primarily. Mm-hmm. And it's quite quantitative, which I think people forget. That's a big part of big data mm-hmm. is used and leveraged to market yeah. very finely. Is this mostly like PPC, like PPM, like what we went through in marketing class? Or actually we wouldn't go through it much. Is it mostly that? Yes. So I do mostly biddable. So biddable media can, you mentioned CPC. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned CPM, mm-hmm. and those are different bidding structures. Mm-hmm. So I do biddable media. So one of the things I've always struggled with is the and and this you know I, I so I started an e-commerce company about ten years ago, and since then we've always played around with paid advertising. We built the business on earned content, on inbound marketing, where we shoot how-to videos on YouTube and you know drive traffic through there. But I've always been unsure of how effective you know this uh, this pay per click stuff is because and then I know people are really successful at arbitraging certain opportunities. Have you seen an improvement in how? Gosh, what am I trying to ask here? You're asking me about tracking. Yeah. You're asking me about how you know and measure the results of your spend, right? right? Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of tracking technologies. It sounds like you were working bootstrapping a, a startup. Yeah. You were probably mostly doing this on your own with your own technologies. And how long ago was this? This 10 years ago. So definitely in the last 10 years, we've made huge strides in tracking still a long way to go in terms of accuracy and end to end and it's only gotten more and more complicated as everyone has like a million devices right. at any time. Right. You know, you'll start shopping on your phone and then you'll go to the store, you'll sit on the chair and then you'll complete the transaction at home from a different vendor. Mm-hmm. That's once the trouble. Once price can't compared. Yeah, that's the trouble I've always had was how to track that across devices when, you know, someone will click through on their phone but end up making the purchase on their computer. So they've there's definitely been improvements, but it's been technology that's been accessible mostly to large enterprises mm-hmm. who have the quantity of data to connect the dots mm. and to buy any 
kind of supporting data that they need mm -hmm. to make those matches. I have mostly focused on B2B and e-com for digital products, so I haven't had to dive into the nitty-gritty of online to offline mm. or multi-device in the same way as someone who sells in CPG, for example, mm -hmm. in consumer packaged goods. But that is a fascinating part of marketing technology. Got it. I remember the slide that Zolt put up last quarter for marketing, and it was all the players in the space. And there's just such a huge number of players in MarTech mm -hmm. because there are so, so many complexities to be solved and so many ways of going about it. I see. So what, um, what brought you to LinkedIn? Um, Which is your most recent, it's, you're currently at LinkedIn. Right? Correct. I, I wanted to work at LinkedIn because they're a mission-driven company. Hmm. What was tactically very appealing about this job was that it has all the resources of a big company like LinkedIn, but it only has about three years of on-the-ground paid marketing hmm. because for so many years it focused on inbound. And word of mouth. So only recently have they started building out their acquisition, their paid acquisition muscle. So it's a young department in an established company. So it's well resourced, but a lot of work to do. Right. So what brings you to Haas? I wanted to figure out how to bridge this chapter of my career to wherever I might take it. Mm -hmm. I've always had this idea that I would bring things back to the environmental science questions that I was asking and investigating when I was in school. Mm -hmm. And I thought that Haas might help me figure that out, especially because it's a very, again, mission-driven school. Mm. Are there certain tracks that you're exploring at Haas? Um, I don't think I'm very good at tracks, given that I chose an interdisciplinary major in college where I got to pick and choose classes across departments. Mm -hmm. I imagine I will do much of the same here. What, uh, what classes, uh, if you happen to know, what classes you're looking forward to in the coming years? I'm still figuring that out. I would like to take classes outside of Haas too. Mm. Um, Berkeley has really interesting food classes. Mm -hmm. they're, I think they're developing a certificate in it, so I'm interested to see how that evolves. And then trying to figure out how much I want to do in marketing versus how much I want to branch out. And I will probably just branch out. So speaking of food, tell us about the mushroom farm. Yeah, so in 1977, my dad started a mushroom farm hmm. in Sonoma County. And my parents were very modern. They moved to San Francisco, shacked up, went to City Hall on their lunch break to get married after they'd been together for like 15 years. Uh -huh. And then my dad worked in real estate at Merrill and then had a side hustle, which sounds to me like a Bay, very typical story for a Bay Area couple today. Yeah. So he was side hustling his mushroom farm in the 70s. And then in the 80s, when there was the real estate crunch here, he decided to trade in his suits for good and uh, went to his trademark Kirkland brand Costco cashmere sweater vests and clogs ever since. Mm. And he lives in Marin, drives up to Sebastopol every day. My mom works in sales there for their health food products. And he grows about 40,000 pounds of organic specialty mushrooms uh, a week. What kind of mushrooms? Velvet piapini, trumpet royale, alba clamshell, brown clamshell, Forest Namako, did I say that already? Mm -mm. Maitake, which is my favorite. It's also called Hen of the Woods. 
they've been experimenting with morels and I'm missing one variety. But what is that like 10 varieties of mushroom? We do seven. Oh, wow. Working on more. I think we're the farm that grows the most variety of organic mushrooms under a, a single roof. Wow. And is, is it kind of grown out in an open field or? All indoor. All indoors. So I really laugh when people talk about how vertical farming is such a, an innovation mm-hmm. of the 21st century mm-hmm. because we've been doing vertical farming since the 70s. This is like in a warehouse? Yep. Wow. I've, uh, I don't know where I recently saw this video. I just remember people were, um, I think it was in, oh, this was talking about the Ice Hotel. Is that Norway or Sweden? I forget. We'll just say it's, it's somewhere in the Nordics. <laughs> but they repurposed and converted the old mines into mushroom growing farms. And I thought that was a really, a really interesting um, idea because it's, it makes a lot of sense. It's very, you know, the temperature was, was like perfect in, you know, in the mines and the humidity was perfect. And I just never thought, I guess we do take for granted who grows our mushrooms, you know, and where they come from. And I love mushrooms myself. It's funny because just yesterday or two days ago, I was cooking and I bought all these mushrooms and I was just wondering, uh, can you ever eat too much mushrooms? You know, like, is there like a danger to that? And apparently aside from uh, getting too much iron, which you'd have to eat a lot of mushrooms, right? There is no danger to eating mushrooms every day. Uh, Is that true? Some, there's a danger in eating at once. (laughs) Most (laughs) others... It's like any other food. Okay. So you could you could eat mushrooms every day and I do, usually. That's, that's kind of awesome. You get it from the family farm. Yeah. Well you can get them too. Where do you guys sell them? Whole Foods, Costco, Safeways in the organic section. Uh, the brand name is Mycopia. Do you guys distribute beyond the Bay Area? Yes. And we have a second farm in Michigan to oh, help Michigan. us get to the East Coast market. You may have seen our mushrooms in Blue Apron. Mm. If you work at Google or Facebook, or First Republic Bank, or any other company whose catering is done by Bon Appetit, mm-hmm. you've probably had our mushrooms. Wow. We sell the Bon Appetit. So I live in LA, so the Whole Foods down there has it. Yeah. It's called, what is it called again? Mycopia. I'll have to include that name in the uh, description. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to look out for that. Yeah. So, I mean, you being at LinkedIn, I'm just curious, how involved are you with this family business? Whenever I'm home, I'm the recipient of free lectures Mm -hmm. from my father who aspires to be, I think, on the TED stage. So I'm involved in that I'm his captive audience, Mm -hmm. have been listening to him talk about how mushrooms will save the world for my whole life. Mm -hmm. And then I have advised them and helped them on various marketing projects. I help them with their Instagram I help them launch their website. Nice. So projects here and there, I help them do a little bit of paid advertising when they were expanding into new Costco's, mm. and just have always kept my eye on it as something that I might want to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if you've ever worked in family business, mm-hmm. but I think it can get pretty fraught. Mm. Especially, it's a totally different job market up in Sonoma County. Here, I think most people are used to switching jobs every if not every year, every four or five years. Mm-hmm. My dad has employees who changed my diapers. Mm. So I feel very much that I need to make my own career and name for myself before I go into the workplace and am taken seriously as a contributor as opposed to the, the CEO's dog. kid. Yeah, <laughs> that is a lot of uh, responsibility to carry on your shoulders. Yeah. Especially the I think it's the very interesting organizational behavior in every company mm-hmm. and it's just gets really complicated when you add family into it, I think. Right. If you don't mind sharing really quickly. 
what are some of these ideas of your father's, these speeches where he talks about how mushrooms will save the world? I'm just curious. I forget the numbers off the top of my head, but if you just think about how much biomass that you can produce, nutritional biomass that you can produce on so little input mm. from a mushroom farm versus traditional agriculture, mm-hmm. that is the biggest reason my dad thinks that mushrooms have an incredible capacity to help feed the world. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, in the West and in probably in certain regions that are also, they call them mycophobic cultures, mm. cultures that have traditionally seen mushrooms as suspicious or worrisome, or they might poison you at any moment. Uh-huh. Uh, it's, it's a cultural challenge to get in there and get people to eat more mushrooms and create more demand for mushrooms. Interesting. So that's been kind of my eye on the farm is that mushrooms have a marketing problem in the West. Yeah. For me to even be suspicious to want to Google whether or not I can, uh, you know, I, I can eat mushrooms every day. That's, uh, I never thought that that is kind of deeply ingrained in me that there is this suspicion towards mushrooms. Yeah, that's definitely some work laid out ahead of you. Yeah. So with population growing as fast as it has, and you have a problem with food, not only in its supply, but mostly in its distribution. Mm. And my dad happens to have a farm in the middle of beautiful Sonoma County, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to be there. It can be in Scottville, Michigan, Mm. midwinter, still turning out 60,000. I think that farm has a capacity of 60,000 pounds a week in the middle of a snowstorm. (laughs) So you can start to bring food production to historically food-deserted locations. Right, that makes sense. And on top of that, I don't know if it's helping the truffle craze, you know, the past decade, I feel like. Yeah, I think truffles has been good for the fungal kingdom, Mm -hmm. marketing-wise. It's a good, uh, it's been a good spokes spokes fungus. I feel like people see it as such an additive, not as something substantive for people to be eating every day, you know? It's it's a it's a flavoring essentially. It's a spice. Yes. Well, I don't know if you'd ever eat a full truffle on its own. Why is that? It is just just packs a lot of flavor, mm-hmm. and you'd have to be really rich. <laughs> that makes sense. That's uh, that's really neat. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for tuning in today. My aim is to bring the Haas community closer together through your stories. We're always looking for Hossies willing to share their stories and experiences so that we can give you more insights into the different programs, different careers, and ultimately different perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to email me for suggestions on how I can improve this podcast, or if you have any recommendations on people or content you'd like to hear. My email is reachshawn at berkeley.edu. That's spelled R-E-A-C-H-S-E-A-N at berkeley.edu.